0: This is Clutch Fans.
1: Oh! From the parking lot! The Rockets are going to Boston House! Sweet it in!
0: And by the way, shout out to the Clutch Fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast. An open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets I'm ready to get in touch, Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome back. It's been a long time since we've done a podcast. Um... Actually, it's been almost four months since uh, the James Harden trade, and there is a lot to dive into. Obviously, the full season has occurred, but uh, uh, not beyond that, the last week has been extremely busy with the All-Star game here in Houston, uh, and most recently, um, the Rockets pulling off a pretty big trade, certainly, I would say, the biggest uh, of any of the trades that happened at the trade deadline, um, in that they made actually two trades, sending out Patrick Patterson, Tony Douglas, and Cole Aldrich to the Sacramento Kings, uh, for and, and cash as well for Francisco Garcia, Tyler Honeycutt, and the prize of the deal, um, Thomas Robinson. He was the fifth pick of the 2012 NBA draft. And they made a second trade, which was sending Marcus Morris to the Phoenix Suns, uh, reunited with his brother Mark Keefe. In exchange for the the uh, Suns' 2013 second round pick, which should be in the 30s if if things stay um, as as they're currently going. And uh, who better to discuss this with than my guest is David Weiner, a Thug, as you know, I'm on the board. David, I'm um, I've been wanting to do this for a while, and I'm, I'm glad we're getting to do it again. Thanks for joining me. That's my pleasure as always. So uh, obviously. You know, all of us were were wondering what was going to happen, and the Rockets were saying nothing was going to end up happening. It certainly didn't look like anything was going to happen, but we had been talking for a long time that they were seven million dollars, roughly more or less, uh, under the under the cap, and that they were probably going to leverage that cap room to to pick up some kind of asset. Um, this probably exceeded our expectations on what on what they would what they uh, would be able to accomplish. What was your reaction to to the trade when you got the news? Um,
1: every year, I think I maybe have a firm grip on what the Rockets are going to do, and then every year they throw me for a loop, and I I didn't see it coming. Um, I, I was totally expecting something more along the lines of a Rip Hamilton and a first round pick for our, for nothing to use our cap space. I didn't. I didn't honestly see uh, the Rockets either being able to uh, use guys like Patterson and Morris to get a significant talent upgrade. Let alone another team even making one available to us. So um, you know, I, I I was fairly shocked. I was fairly shocked. I was expecting something more along the lines of just. Wave Cole Aldrich and eat that money, and then go use the cap room and add add someone to the roster. so I, I was fairly stunned.
0: I confess I was as well, but I have to admit the only thing that is surprising to me about Daryl these days is the actual name of the player that comes in because he always seems to execute these type of trades where the risk is rather small, and the potential reward is is so high. Uh, and that really is the case here um, with this trade for Thomas Robinson. And I think what really impressed me about this trade is that they did everything. They leveraged their current cap room to, to gain something. They gained something, as you pointed out, much bigger than we probably w- would have expected in Thomas Robinson. They created cap room um, for next year, so, uh, somewhere in the estimates of $1 to $1.5 million. Um which is only going to help them in their in their continued pursuit of uh, a big free agent, um, and they got the best player in the trade. They cleared a long jam at the power forward position, got a probably what you would consider a better prospect, a kid who's 21, turns to, I believe 22 next month, um, and he's got a lot of upside. He has struggled so far in his rookie season, but um, just they probably got the best prospect in this trade so it, it they did everything if you ask me in this trade
1: it's sort of akin to the to the kevin martin trade a couple of, you know three years ago where they kind of hit hit every every key get the best player you know uh get picks get get this get that um yeah i mean i think they hit it on every note and if you read any national sports writer or you've uh, happened upon uh Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe's uh trade deadline diary. Uh, they go on for for many many paragraphs. Um, m- mostly bashing Sacramento for for being stupid to make this trade and and also uh just openly
0: wondering why anyone still trades with Daryl Morey. Uh, he certainly did uh amazing job here in this move. You know, I think one other thing that really surprised me um, you know, I thought that they might trade um, uh, Morris or Pat, and or Patterson, um, but they did what I didn't think they would do, which was take legitimate pieces of a current team and sell them for a future piece, a piece that gives them a brighter future. And they didn't fill the hole uh, right away with somebody with uh, you know somebody that you would have thought would be a veteran. Like what they did last year is that they you know sold Jordan Hill off um, for basically a pick. But then got Marcus Camby, so they basically filled that hole uh, in, in the paint there. And they didn't necessarily do that here. They promoted from within, and the three guys that they have um, filling that spot are quite inexperienced. So, to me, I, I'm I'm super impressed that the Rockets continue to take a big picture approach, even though they really uh, were kind of rolling here and, and looking like a team that might, uh, you know, give someone a good series in in, in a first round. Playoff series, and you know, let's be honest. Going into this year, I mean, I I picked them to win 36 games. I think they need to go six and 20 the rest of the way, and I think they've got six or seven games left against the Suns and Kings. So, to me, um, they far exceeded expectations, and I'm just impressed that they continue to take a big picture approach. I think we're really starting to see uh, something special unfold here. And let's um, dive right into to Thomas Robinson, the player. What do you think of him? What What have you Obviously, we talked about the draft uh, this past summer. What were your impressions then, and, and what have you seen of him now?
1: Well, um, if I'm going to be completely honest, um, I was not the the biggest Thomas Robinson fan when he came out, but I, I will admit that had more to do with my allegiance to the University of Texas and typically tend to have a uh, something against Kansas players, I think. And um, the combination of that and – the fact we had so many power forwards already and he just didn't seem to be a fit for the Rockets. I tended to take a negative view on him. Uh, It wasn't really a knock on his talent or how good I thought he could be. Um, I I, I don't think he belonged in the conversation with Anthony Davis for the number one pick. Like he he thought he did. Um, Definitely. He's very talented, high motor guy going to be just such a high effort player. And like Daryl said in his press conference, he, he, he is going to be a very good rebounder. He already is a very good rebounder at the NBA level. Uh, his, his stats don't look good on a per game basis because he doesn't play many minutes, but on a per minute basis, he, he rebounds the heck out of the ball. Um, has potential as a pick and roll player, uh, but mostly, at least early on in his career, just an effort player and a, and a high-volume rebounder, I think, is, is what his role will be as a young player. And then we'll see how much he can cultivate his game from there.
0: I think that's a pretty good assessment of what uh, his skill set is. I had him eighth on my board for the Rockets as a fit for Houston. Um, I actually like John Henson a, a hair better. But um, that was really based on Patterson and Morris being on this team, that they didn't need uh, duplication, even though he is – certainly a different kind of player. Um I'm floored, absolutely stunned that the Kings would give up on him 8 months after he's drafted, 4 months into a season. I look at uh, he's very similar as far as age and and really body type um or I should say, you know, height and uh wingspan to Tristan Thompson of of the Cavs and you saw his you've seen some progress from his first year to his second year. I think, as a matter of fact, he's like four days younger than Tristan Thompson. Um, and you nailed it. He's a tremendous rebounder. They did not have that in either of their two uh, power forwards in the rotation, in, in Patterson and Morris. Um, he's going to run the floor. I mean, I've watched all kinds of tape of him lately, and he, I mean, he gets out and runs. He'll he'll uh, start from behind after having getting the rebound from from his opponent and. By the time they get to the other floor, he's, he's several steps ahead of them and he really gets out and runs. He can defend. Um, just a, a guy who is an exceptional athlete can really leap, um, and provides a lot of energy. I do think, um, we're going to see some, some flaws early on. I mean, I think certainly offensively, I think he's a little bit raw. He's, he does not have the stretch four ability that we, um saw from the rockets or we saw from the you know patterson and morris and you do wonder how he's going to fit in initially but i love the trade and i love um, what we have here in robinson simply because he is different um, than the other types of players that they have he's going to be a guy as you mentioned who brings a lot of energy and and that's a contrast to to these other players
1: no absolutely i mean i think um the, the offense will take a step back, but, um, you know, I, I'm not even so sure he's going to play major minutes right off the bat and maybe not even significant minutes the rest of this year for all we know. Um, you know, the fact, fact remains, even though we cleared out our, our first string and second string power forwards and, and brought in one prospect, we, uh, we still have five, high-quality, young, true power forwards on the roster. Um, There's slightly less of a glut, but there's still a glut there. So, um, you know, I guess things will have to be hashed out in practice, and and Mikhail will make the decision on who plays. But, you know, you definitely have guys like uh, Motiunis, who, you know, I I think has shown that he deserves to get some playing time, and hopefully he'll start getting worked more and more into the rotation uh if not become the new starter it, I don't know if they're gonna play parsons at the at the starting four going forward i think they'll they'll still play the the delfino Parsons lineup a ton of minutes that I think that's been their best lineup all year, but I think the Rockets are gonna start a more traditional power forward um you know to start off games and that uh, you know that may be Yunus, it may be Robinson at some point we just, we just don't know, so you know it's hard to say given the way this roster is made up, that Robinson will even get significant playing time over the, the next month or
0: two. You know, everything I've heard about Donatus is, uh, you know, I mean, obviously he needs to get stronger, but that he just busts it. I mean, I think McHale loves his work ethic. I think that's really what um, got him basically pushed ahead of Terrence Jones because coming into camp, I mean, in preseason, Terrence Jones looked like a guy who was a lot for the rotation, and now uh, Moti Innes has passed him. Um, I was—I have to admit—I was a little surprised Terrence Jones didn't didn't play last night. Uh, uh, you know, didn't play against the Thunder. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like they're going to use Motenuis and Smith to fill the time until uh, Thomas Robinson can can step up here and and play. But whether they use these guys, I mean, obviously some of them are going to be used for trades at some point down the line. But they're just in a better position than they were um, as far as future assets and. Um, you know, what, what they're doing right now with this team is, uh, it's impressive. It was a gutsy move as far as what they're doing, um, you know, as far as possibly hurting them a little bit this year. But again, like, as I pointed out, the fact that they are still thinking big picture and get to that championship level despite this, the, the recent success, um, to me is just a, a welcome sight.
1: Yeah, I mean, Daryl Morey, Sam Hinkie, Gerson Rosas, that whole front office has done a phenomenal job pie- piecing this roster together. I mean, they've, you know, if you looked at the roster you know, four and a half months ago, you weren't exactly the most optimistic in the world. And if you looked at the roster nine months ago, you were really pessimistic. And just to think that um, the longest tenured Rockets player right now um is chandler parsons who was signed in december 2011
0: it's, it's pretty amazing i mean we could i mean we definitely will talk about daryl morey for sure here in a little bit i mean he deserves uh, a medal and uh, talk about the timing for him to be up for a new contract uh, he he's he's deserving of a raise that's for sure um just a couple other points about this team right now they lost uh, tony douglas uh, you know, what are your thoughts on whether that's going to hurt them? They added Francisco Garcia, um, and no true stretch four, like we talked about earlier. Any thoughts you have on that?
1: Well, I mean, I thought actually you made a great point on uh, when you were on 790 uh, on uh, the, mor- uh, the morning of the trade deadline, uh, talking about the, the Rockets are are going to miss uh, Tony Douglas's shooting off the bench. I mean, he is a plus three-point shooter an excellent free throw shooter uh and as as much as i think everybody likes patrick beverly as a hustle player you know a potentially plus defender uh you know a, a quick lightning bug kind of player he just doesn't have that stroke so i think that's definitely an element of the offense that will be missing yeah,
0: there are games where um Basically, Lynn, I mean, he, he was exceptional against the Thunder, no doubt about it. But there are games where he's just in a funk. He doesn't play well. Those games, I think we've, we've seen that Tony Douglas It's a mixed bag, but he could come in and, and provide some defensive spark, knock down some threes. It was shooting him pretty well, 37 to 38% this year. Um, so in that regard, I could see that as a loss. Uh, I, I am excited to see Beverly step up here and um, – and see what he does in a backup point guard role. I just feel like if Lynn continues to grow that the backup point guard role could be really any guard because you've got two guys who really play point guard. They just happen to be your starting backcourt uh, in James Harden and, and Jeremy Lynn. So to have a, a guy really be a specifically a point guard as that first guard off the bench, I'm not sure that's, that's so mandatory here on this team. Um, Francisco Garcia, um, you know, I I don't – I'm not as high as on his addition as Daryl seemed to be at, at uh, media availability yesterday, but, he, um, you know, he's a solid veteran guy who, um, you know, can shoot the ball, and uh, I look at him as an expiring contract, $6 million deal, but, you know, that's a different story. But I do think the no true stretch four, whether they go with, um, you know, a, a Delfino Parsons um, – Line up more frequently or not we'll see but not having that stretch four could hurt because if you're looking at thomas robinson and it's going to take him a while i think to to get with the program i mean i mikhail talked about the fact that you know if he's a guy who's playing in the post and his defender is able to just kind of sag off of him and hang out in the paint that's going to hurt their entire uh lineup so um i think that aspect of it could hurt but the way the rockets were playing with Morrison and, and, uh, and Patterson hitting threes, they might be able to just fill that just fine, at least certainly on the offensive end with Delfino and Parsons. It doesn't require a power forward to be hanging out at the three-point line and swinging the ball around in the, at the right time. You may see um, somewhat of a loss, certainly with Patterson on the defensive end at times. I don't think the way the Rockets were playing defense, it was a, it was a huge impact. That's
1: true. I mean, I think uh, I definitely think they will – Hope that Moti Yunus can give them some outside shooting. Uh, I mean, from everything I hear, he's a, he's a phenom in, 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 warmups. Uh, it's another story when the game, when the game starts. Uh, but if they can get reliable minutes, you know, my only fear is that, you know, poor Chandler Parsons is going to get run through the ringer playing so many minutes at power forward into so many minutes period. It's, it seems like it's, it's really hard for Mikhail to take him out of the game. Uh, and especially now with with Douglas gone, you know, I think you and I think we've seen this even before this trade uh, that it seems they're more and more relying on Parsons as a ball handler and a, initiator as well, uh, which is something I think we'll probably see a little bit, you know, continue to see more of down the stretch this season. So, uh, you know, th- they really need someone else besides Chandler Parsons to step up and be able to man the four even if it's just a nominal four
0: it'll be an interesting first test here uh well it's not first I guess since obviously um the Thunder game was that but let's let's see how this continues against the Nets um you know you touched on Daryl Morey uh this really to me is it's it's phenomenal, really, honestly. Houston should just be proud. I mean, I don't know what else to say other than the fact that um, they have possibly the very best uh, GM in in the NBA. Um, certainly, certainly in the top five. I mean, but I think you know you looked at Sam Presti maybe being the the, the number one uh, GM or one of the very very best in the league, and he probably got one past Sam in 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 you know this year what Daryl and and uh sam hinkey and Gerson roses and, and the entire front office really accomplished it's 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 amazing i mean they completely deconstructed the team from last year um did so very carefully yet very quickly um completely broke it down into com- just components of assets and picks and young players um were a- were totally willing to spend the money uh, where necessary, where, as you pointed out, with amnesty clause with Luis Scola and buying out players um, in order to, to make deals happen, and then to flip that to start with Harden um, and then make those signings with uh, Jeremy Lin and Omer Asik. Really, it, it was a stroke of genius how this front office focused on uh, teams that were – Confronted with salary issues or luxury tax issues, um, uh, and just made solid move after solid move. Um, just it, it blows me away. You look at that what they project right now their starting lineup to be with Thomas Robinson eventually getting in there. Uh, four of the five starters on this on this team are there because of salary or luxury tax issues. Period. They leverage that um, off of other teams who could not afford to pay or didn't want to pay because of of cost issues and the fifth starter is arguably the best bargain contract in basketball um as you pointed out earlier the only guy left from last year's team is the guy they took with the 38th pick to start that year um i mean really i mean if you can count greg smith if you like but you know he certainly didn't didn't um didn't really play so It's it's probably going to be looked at. It's just going to change the book. It's going to be looked at as a way of building a team because you know a lot of fans were frustrated with Daryl in the front office as in hey you're not taking that step back and getting blue-chippers here. We're going year after year of doing the same kind of thing. Um, And then just came the day of reckoning where he just has been able to execute trade after uh, you know excellent trade after excellent trade. This team if they pull off a 45 plus win season. I think you have to you have to look at him as executive of the year.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, you threw out Sam Presti, you could say RC Buford. There, there, there's a handful of people you you could say are the, you know, the, the best GM in the league over Daryl Morey, and and you know, it's it's not like you'd be unreasonable, but at this point, I don't think you one can reasonably claim that another general manager has had a better year than Daryl Morey. I think he is hands down the executive of the year. Um, I think the media was all too ready to hand the award to Mitch Kupchak after Steve Nash told the Suns to trade him to L.A. and Dwight Howard forced his way to L.A. in a trade, which, you know, I, you know credit to Mitch Kupchak, he put in a lot of work, but I don't think he put in the level of planning that, that Daryl Morey did to get James Harden. Um, and then given the the fact that LA is not exactly blowing the roof off, um, I I just think Daryl's
0: the clear front runner for the award this year. And I think people have to to realize that all the careful planning along the way that they did not just jump on some prize knowing that it came with a terrible contract that would keep them out of this position to make. uh Granted, they had some good fortune along the way. Uh, you know the the Nanae Gasol moves being basically rescinded uh, put kept them in this or put them in this position to be able to do this, which is a in my personal opinion much better route. Um, if Les Alexander had thrown caution to the wind like like most of us have, had had uh, or you know many had suggested saying hey you need to be a luxury taxpayer they they wouldn't be in this situation. So I, I think the fact that they were very shrewd and calculated. Um, put them in this incredible position of strength uh, to make these moves. And right now, as Rocket fans, I mean, we are just uh, flat out reaping the benefits um, of this. This is an exciting team to watch. I, I, I've i had so much fun. I mean, we had the All-Star game here. We had the trades happen. I actually missed um, the first half of the, the OKC Thunder game. I, you know, went up to my media seat, was expecting a loss, and just, boom this explosion of rocket offense happens down the stretch and they beat you know arguably the best team in the league or certainly top 3 and um just a lot of fun to watch and it all started this team becoming special with that uh James Harden acquisition which will definitely be the signature move of Daryl Morey's uh era
1: well you know I've always
0: said the you know sort of
1: cliche but it's better to be lucky than good and until the James Harden trade Daryl Morey was just good. I mean, he was a good GM. Everything he did was was good. Um but he just wasn't lucky and a couple of things broke the Rockets way and now he's both. He I think he uh, you know, I think Sam Presti has enjoyed being both lucky and good. Uh you could say the same about RC Buford with the Relative health of his superstars. And, uh, looks like Daryl Moore is joining that class and, you know, he, he was prepared, you know, uh, the, I mean, he was prepared for these, these moves by other moves he made, but, you know, a lot, there's luck involved and we're, you know, we're, we're enjoying the consequences. And,
0: and, you know, let me, um, say, i obviously very high on Daryl, uh, have been for a long time. I will say, you know, looking at, Some of this, you you do have to kind of look at the draft record and and wonder, uh, you know, with some of the first round picks that we've seen. I mean, obviously the the jury's still out on both 2011 and 2012 made made the pick of the draft or arguably the pick of the draft with Chandler Parsons at 38 and 11 in 2011. Um, But obviously uh, taking Marcus Morris over Kawhi Leonard, um, and uh, you know, Motuunas still were were high on him, but uh, Kenneth Freed also was there on the board you know you you're not going to nail it every single time but the, but um, those are obviously a couple of gems that were went were taken right after those picks um, 2012 you know obviously Roy white um, and we'll, you know we'll see how Terrence Jones pans out but uh, I'd say overall just just absolutely thrilled with um, what they've been able to accomplish um, and I think one of his best qualities has been if he does make a mistake, I'm not saying that Marcus Morris was necessarily a mistake, but if he does, he's he quickly rectifies that. I mean, we saw it with Trevor Ariza, um Skola's contract when that became uh, an issue, they uh you know, were quickly able to to make that change happen and so um, I I just think that they're being led right now by uh, just an excellent GM.
1: Well, I, I'm I'm getting I'm getting tired of agreeing with you, but yes, uh, and I know I know a lot of our listeners. Uh, that's their number one complaint is we agree too much, but you know there there it is. We're like minded individuals. Um, but you touched on Marcus Morris and 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 moving him, and and I wouldn't say necessarily that he was you know a, a bad pick. Yeah, they could have taken someone better, but you could say that about most picks. Um, and I know, you know, we didn't get a chance to touch on the, the, the smaller of the two trades, Marcus Morris to Phoenix for a second-round pick. Um, I think if not for the fact that we have so many other good young power forwards, I think the Rockets maybe hold on to Morris down the stretch. Uh, I think there's an element of wanting to get Moti Yunus on the court, Uh Potentially opening up some minutes for Terrence Jones if they're available, so maybe a few minutes here, extra here and there for Greg Smith, um, so they could they could afford to trade a guy like Marcus Moore. So I think was having a fairly good year, uh, not great, but but he was he was a he was improving yeah yeah he was improving and he was our, our I think he was our best shooter among our big men, and you know I think uh, the national media kind of raised a little bit of an eyebrow. About oh well why are you trading a lottery pick for a second round pick and you know you look at at the Rockets success rate with second rounders and it's not hard to see that, that they are pretty good at finding value um, you know you mentioned that the Phoenix pick should be in the 30s I agree their Phoenix is just they're terrible um, they're not going to be good they're my guess is they'll probably start. Choke—they'll probably start uh, tanking, um, which is great by us at this point because I'd love to get something in the in the low 30s, um, and I think a you know a, a player in that range. Th- th- this draft is not great at the very top, but it should be it should be fairly deep, uh, deep enough for the Rockets to get a first-round talent uh, with that pick. My guess is, given that every team's draft board is different, the Rockets will probably get some guy. In their top 20, 25 at least, uh, that falls to that pick, and you know, you, you're, you're talking about a first-round quality player who you can lock up for the league minimum, and and also he uh, until they sign him, the second-round pick doesn't count against the cap, so that's a zero dollar against the cap player right there. Yeah, uh, that, that, there are several benefits to having an early second-round pick that, that make it even better than a late first.
0: It seems like a prime Euro stash uh, pick. You know, obviously it's not as good as the pick that they traded to Oklahoma City um, in the Harden trade, which was the the Bobcats' pick um, via Boston. But uh, it's right there. It's more or less. You know, I think there are about five wins separating them, the Bobcats and and the Suns right now. It, it does surprise me they trade the 14th pick of the draft from 18 months ago, more or less to. Uh, for what amounts to a second round pick it, it, it's the anti-Daryl Morey move um and it wasn't the Thomas Robinson trade did not depend on this but I I do think Daryl touched on this a little bit in me, his media availability saying it, it creates uh, you know time uh, opportunity for Robinson, Motunas, uh, Jones and they wanted that pick they wanted to be in this draft and it they certainly seem Daryl didn't even make it sound like there was um, a possibility that they wouldn't have their picks. He certainly seems like he's uh, he's comfortable with the idea, idea that they're going to the playoffs, um, and if they do, they're ob- they obviously have no picks. Um, their their first rounder goes to Atlanta from the Terrence Williams trade, and their second rounder also goes to Atlanta, uh, as you know, from the David Anderson trade. So um, they would have nothing but this pick, uh, the, the pick that right now would be 35th more or less uh, from Phoenix. So um, – I, I think it's an okay trade. It's not a great trade, but they they recognize they got better value over Morris in another trade, and they got what they could uh, in in basically moving him.
1: Right, and then you know an, another benefit. Although I, I'm not as quick to I'm not a, 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 as quick to cite this as the reason, but it's an ancillary benefit. Um, by moving Morris's contract off the books because he is on the books for next year, you do create an extra, you know, I think about a, a, one and a half million or so between one, one and a half million, uh, of additional cap room, um, which may be the difference between having enough to sign a guy like Dwight Howard or not. And I think they were, you know, as, as Daryl mentioned in his press conference that they're not going to, no one's going to know how much, uh, what the cap is until, until July 8th. Um, but, Given were their best guess uh I'm assuming they felt they were a little bit shy, and perhaps they didn't want to risk that uh overtakes Marcus Morris down the stretch, and Morris ends the year sitting on the bench for twenty games and his trade value goes in the toilet, so this may have been just as good a time as any to trade him while he was contributing and a valued member of the rotation.
0: Uh, absolutely and and by doing it now they, they they might have been in a in a bad spot later where teams know that they need that extra 1 to 2 million or what have you in cap room and uh trying to squeeze them a little bit and you brought up a great point how they're positioned this summer um Dwight Howard and it is the slimmest of shots um i i mean getting him to leave uh the Lakers i mean, it, it wouldn't i would not have even thought it was any kind of possibility uh, after that Howard trade to the Lakers I mean it's just unheard of for a team to leave that franchise that city uh in in the prime of their career when they are going to make more money from that team than anywhere else but uh it's really amazing to see how unhappy he's been um all these reports and how how uh, poorly they have played so i the window may be open just a little bit and I think they're just trying to be as attractive as they can and, and have be in the position to, to sign him if they can. And honestly, David, if they, if they're able to pull that off, if they, I mean, again, like I said, it's a very remote shot, but if they're able to just outright sign him, just add Dwight Howard to that lineup. Um, I mean, you're talking contention. You're talking top team, you know, top two or three team in the West. Um, and, they are all kinds of flexible to add a third um, star player um, as, as far as a trade. So, um, you know, cross your fingers that something like that can happen with an outright signing.
1: Yeah. I'm I, I'm with you in that. I'm not, not holding my breath on, on, on signing Dwight Howard. Um, I think, uh, yeah, the, the extra, the extra year and the extra 30 million and the limelight of LA is a lot to turn down, no matter how unhappy you are. But, you know who knows? Maybe Dw- Dwight's the kind of guy that would rather be happy than ri- than than richer, because I'm I think once you reach a certain amount of wealth, it probably doesn't mean that much. Although the superstars, I think, really want to get the most they possibly can. Um, you know, and, and the good news about the Rockets' cap flexibility is, yes, they are going all in for Dwight Howard, but at the same time. The approach is not really keeping them from making other moves. Um, yeah, they might have been able to make a play for Josh Smith to, at the deadline uh, just now, um, but they can go after him in free agency. You know, it, I think a lot of teams around the league are going to wait and see what Dwight Howard and Chris Paul do before other moves get made, so um, I think the Rockets will be in a position to, to, to make, any array of move Josh Smith, Paul Millsap or you know the move I move I I actually like if he's healthy is that you know your backup uh, plan to to Dwight is maybe go after Pau Gasol, uh see if you can get him on the cheat from LA who's going to be really kind of over a barrel with the luxury tax next year. Get Pau, you know, you rent him for a year, I think he makes you a top 4 team in the West. Um, and either you go, you take your chances in 2014 free agency, go after a guy like LeBron or Chris Bosh, uh, or in the alternative, you can always re-sign Powell at a smaller deal. So I, I mean, the, the possibilities are fairly endless for the Rockets. Even though there's there's this kind of tunnel vision towards Dwight, I don't think they're precluding an array of other moves to make this team a contender.
0: Yep, I agree, and uh, I think you know even if they fall short what they've been able to do with cap room uh i think it, it's in the right hands there i mean they're going to be able to possibly make trades uh to, to absorb salaries take on picks um i am excited to see what they'll they'll do even if they do come up short with how on howard you know we didn't touch on james harden um obviously i just we'll do this briefly i mean it's been uh you know practically beaten to death how he has Catapulted himself from a six man of the year uh, type player to an elite offensive player, one <clears throat> arguably top five offensive player as far as complete package uh, on that side of the ball. Um, I've been blown away. I have absolutely um, didn't. I, I knew he was good, and I knew that the Rockets had a potential uh, superstar. Did not expect this kind of efficiency. As a matter of fact, in our podcast, I said to you. Uh, that efficiency is going to go down. He's going to be now a frontline guy. He's going to be, you know, the the focus of defenses. His efficiency is going to go down. It's still going to be good, but it's going to go down. And so far, uh, that hasn't exactly been the case. I I mean, we're seeing games where he's just playing out of his mind, Uh, going 7 of 8 from three-point range or 13 of 15 from the field. I mean, just, just, uh, just crazy stuff.
1: Yeah, here's where I'm gonna to have to disagree with you, Dave. I I really don't think he's been very good this year.
0: <laughs>
1: We're gonna um, find I'm, something to disagree on. Yeah, right? I, I I picked the I picked the wrong point in the conversation to, to disagree. Yeah, I mean he's he's been phenomenal. Uh, you know I was a little wary when they gave him the full uh five year They made him their five year designated player, which you, you can only sign a guy to a to to. You can only have one guy you sign to to a five year designated extension. Uh, you can trade for one later, uh, but you can only sign one. And you know, like you said, coming off a of sixth man of the year, I, I wasn't a hundred percent sold. I was fairly confident that that it was worth it, but not. I wasn't fully confident. And my God, he's been everything
0: everything you could hope for and, mo- and more. Yeah, I'd say we've been spoiled, but um, we we went through some. Through some lean times, so uh, we're we're gonna just take this and and run with it. Uh, before we close, uh, we just had the All Star Game here. Uh, you, obviously, you went. Uh, I was at a ton of events myself. Um, w- w- what was your experience like?
1: Well, I, I didn't go to the game or anything at Toyota Center. I did. I did make it out to NBA Jam session uh, with Lil' of Thug, and uh, you know it, it was great. I mean it. The, the city of Houston as, as a whole and, and, and downtown Houston just put on a great all-star weekend. Um, downtown was a buzz. Uh, Discovery Green was, was filled with all sorts of events. George R. Brown had NBA jam session. Um, uh, took my son to the, the, uh, the D-League all-star game was, at, was at George R. Brown. Um, all sorts of games and activities. Uh, it was just a great family-friendly event, uh, well-staffed, well-organized. It just really went off without a hitch. It was phenomenal all the way around.
0: Oh yeah, had a blast. I, you know, I thought the Vegas Summer League. I always consider that the Comic Con of uh, for NBA fans because I absolutely love the Vegas Summer League. Uh, this was that on steroids. Absolutely crazy. I mean, just I, I don't know how many times I walked from the George R. Brown to the Toyota Center and back uh, on those different days. Um, but every single time, oh, there's Charles Oakley, uh, there's Daryl Dawkins, there's George Gervin. I'd cross paths with somebody, I'd end up talking to somebody, Calvin Murphy. It was just always somebody out there. Um, and it was just, you know, I go to the Toyota Center and with with Media Access and I'm st- still awestruck, um, but this was, uh, you know, for a regular Rockets game, this was uh, kind of to another level, uh, just seeing all of these stars just hanging out. Um, but I gotta tell you that for me, the best experience, um, or, or the kind of coolest experience I had was the Thursday night before the game, which was the Jeremy Lin foundation, uh, party. Um, it was just a great atmosphere. Yao Ming was there, uh, you know, Lynn, uh, Joakim Noah was there, David Lee, uh, Tyson Chandler. Um, a matter of fact, uh, when Tyson Chandler and Daryl Morey saw each other, they looked like they were best friends. I mean, gave each other, uh, Big hugs, and I, you know, I had to think back to when he, uh, you know, tried to woo him uh, here. But um, I had the unique experience because I was talking to some different people about how we were all talking about how Lynn is just such a high character individual. I mean, he's the only guy I've ever seen who we uh, that would come talk to us as media and like apologize because he was running late or um just care at all about what we were what we were doing. And not long after I had that conversation with just a couple people, um, this is a big party and Jeremy Lynn is the focus of the party. Um, I you know I went to get a little bit of food. Uh, was just off by myself, you know, just looking straight down, eating some food. And um somebody came up to me, so I, I just assumed that they knew me and was like, so how's the food? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's good. And um, you know, I look up, it's Jeremy Lynn. It's Jeremy Lin just standing there, asking me how the food is, and he's got this big smile. He's like, "Awesome, great!" And you know, he he moved on to get some food himself, and I'm just, I, it just was. I, I for a minute there, I thought they were filming that, like a sequel to that, uh, you know, last pick video. Like I, I was some charity case. I I, <laughs> I didn't know what was going on, but I, you know, that's the kind the kind of person he is. Um, yeah, just a high character individual. I've, I I I uh, can definitely tell that, and a very very nice guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, outstanding. I, I look forward to when it comes back already because it was just a, a great time. Very busy, but it was uh, a great time here.
1: Man, that's a great story. I mean, uh, it just it just shows that uh, that it's not just all uh, hype or stories about uh, Jeremy. That he's yeah, I mean, he he's just a model citizen. He's a, he, he's he's a role model for for just how to conduct yourself as a professional and to be a good person. I mean, he's, it's so easy to root for him. Like I, I understand that, that, you know, especially on the board, it's very, the subject of Jeremy Lin is very divisive and uh, you know, yeah, he has holes on his game, but I think he, he work, he's going to work on those and get continue to get better. As we've seen he's gotten better every month. Uh, but the one thing that's indisputable is that the guy, you just have to root for the guy. He's just such a pro and such a good person, it's just so easy to root for someone like that.
0: Yeah, and it was great to see him put up big numbers against the Thunder. That was nice. Oh, absolutely. We're, we're looking like we're going to be heading towards a playoff season. I mean, it's still up in the air. I think it's going to come. Uh, I still expect the Lakers and, and Mavs to, to make a charge, and I, I think the the, the Warriors could, could drop a peg the way, the way they've been playing lately. Um, but it's looking pretty good given the schedule where, where they're headed, and uh, it's been a fun year, and I expect uh, to see more.
1: I, I, I certainly hope so. I probably would have said the same thing last year,
0: though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when Daryl uh, said, hey, if we win tonight, 96% chance. Let's, let's, uh, yeah, I don't want to put the kiss of death on that thing. But um, seriously, man, thanks for joining me. I uh, always enjoy these. It's, I know it had been a while. And um, it, with the trade deadline passed, hopefully we'll get some sleep this week. <laughs>
1: and, and, you know, if we miss anything on this podcast, we'll catch it on the next one in four months.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Man. But uh, no, thanks for joining me, man, and uh, and we'll do it again soon. All right, thanks for having me.